Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget. 2021, we're here. The year is in front of us. A new horizon, a new frontier, an infinite frontier if you're DC Comics, which will be in our news a bit today, some stuff with DC. So let's start the year on a high note. And with that, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite people to ever grace the silver screen, just to ever be a part of Hollywood history. And that, of course, is the ever-talented and ever-interesting, the most amazing woman ever. I, I say ever, and I'm just like, it's probably true. She's probably in like the top 100 most important women of all time, just a, a pleasure to see on and off screen and her her work she's done for the world and for children of the world is so important is so impactful i of course am talking about audrey hepburn i figured with the new year with some time to ourselves let's take an opportunity to look at the films of audrey hepburn we'll go over a few of them I have a list of most of her films that I figured I'll just talk about some of the ones that are worth talking about and give a little brief, just give my like brief thoughts and feelings on her filmography. And I just love her. I just love her. I just, I just think she's fascinating and cool and different and unique. And I, I just love talking about her. There's never been a figure quite like Audrey Hepburn in film history or since then. So it's like awesome. Let's talk about her. But before that, of course, we got some news to talk about, and pretty DC heavy, actually, which I'm like, yeah, of course it is, but it is what it is, that's how things go. And our first piece of news here is actually about Batman, which is just, just like my favorite fucking topic in the world. Don't you guys just love the amount of Batman discussion we have? Who cares? Who really cares? It's Batman. Um, I guess it appears that Michael Keaton will be returning to the role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman in a future DC movie, and he is going to be looking to be like the the central figure of the Batman character in the DCEU going forward, which I don't I don't want that. I don't want it. I, I know there's people like, that's awesome, we're gonna get our Batman Beyond movie. Like, I don't want a Batman Beyond movie. I barely want a movie with Ezra Miller and Michael Keaton in it, and by that I mean I don't want that at all. I think this is a dumb idea. Like, I, I get why we always want to go back to like these dark and gritty Batman, but can't we just, for the love of God, have a campy Adam West style Batman? Can't we have that? I'm very excited for Robert Pattinson's and Matt Reeves' movie. I think it's going to be fun and cool and dark but i'm like i want a campy batman give me a world's finest movie where the superheroes work together i don't like this dark brooding batman for every single movie i like michael keaton's batman i don't need him to come back to feel whole i don't think ben affleck did a good job and i just don't want this there are so many other characters we can focus on to make batman level characters why do we always have to go back to this well i don't care i don't want it just stop, please. I am so sick of all these Batman. I don't want any more. Like, we do Dick Grayson. If you're going to do another Batman, just do Dick Grayson. Maybe I'll be a little happier, but I don't need to see Michael Keaton return to this universe. I don't want it at all. I don't want a Flash movie. And speaking of Flash movie, let's jump into our next piece of news. And that, of course, is something I, I was hesitant to say, should I talk about this? But now I'm like, yeah, we'll talk about it. So, Ray Fisher is a just just a guy isn't he 
Uh, he's been talking so much shit about Warner Brothers and Walter Hamada and, you know, Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon. And I just, I, I'm so sick of it. I'm just sick of it. I don't like Ray Fisher. I don't care how many allegations he wants to throw out towards who. He isn't that good an actor to be able to make these demands. Yes, of course DC is going to kick you out of a Flash movie if you're coming at everything they're building. If you're being an asshole, don't. Just stop. You don't, you're not good enough. You don't have the experience to want these demands, dude. And you know what? Your performance wasn't that good. I don't care about a cyborg movie or your interpretation of cyborg joven way did a better job on doom patrol you know kari payton does a better job voicing the character on teen titans go you are a crappy victor stone and that's all you will ever be like you're just not good at that job so i don't think you need to do it just just grow up man quit blaming everybody else for you not being a successful actor i'm just sick of your attitude and i don't want to see it so good Stop it, Ray Fisher. You are just tr digging yourself into a grave, and you don't need to be in one. And I'm just sick of it. Just just go away. So sticking with the DC movie news, we got a couple more things here. One of them being we got our first look at the animated Justice Society of America World War II movie. I'm super excited for this. Look, Superman Man of Tomorrow really made me excited for these next projects. Batman Soul of the Dragon was so cool that made me just smile and geek out i'm like this is dope and cool so let's go further back in time to world war ii with the best superhero team ever the justice society and we're gonna do a fun movie with these guys i am so on board for that i am so pumped for that idea and that characterization matt bomber will be playing barry allen which makes me go well this is kind of funny I do believe there will be Jay Garrick and Barry Allen in this movie, and we are looking to have more of like the legacies being in it, which I, I'm okay with because you got to sell the movie somehow. I, I get that. You, you're going to want to make people interested in this, and the sad truth is not everybody in the world is interested in the JSA as somebody like Jeff Johns or myself are. You know, some people just need those legacies and other characters, but this just sounds really cool. You know, I'm very excited to see what this is going to be. I just love that idea of having those characters here. Jake Garrick's awesome. They're doing the old Black Canary. There's like Our Man and all these people. It's going to be really fun and cool. I like that we're getting more animated projects from DC. It really makes me smile and realize that there's some good stuff here. So give me more of it. I will love to see what comes from that. So I'm very excited with all that news and everything. It's going to be fun. I, I cannot wait to see what that's going to be. And sticking with the trend of superhero stuff, we do get some confirmation that Deadpool 3 will be coming to the MCU and is going to be keeping an R rating. Now, here's something I don't care about in the same vein as Ray Fisher and Michael Keaton returning as Batman. I don't care. I don't. I don't like Ryan Reynolds as a creator or a comedian or an actor. I don't like his Deadpool interpretation. And I think if you are going to bring Deadpool to the MCU, you should reboot. Don't give me some Deadpool 3 legacy shit where he's coming over from the Fox universe. A new actor, a new idea for Deadpool. You don't go so hard into the fourth wall. Maybe you make him a little more of like the assassin, asshole Deadpool from like the original creation. You lead into his own solo thing. I really don't want this. And I don't think you need an R-rated Deadpool. I don't. I don't think the, the jokes need to be r-rated or the comedy needs to be that dark but who cares the movie's not for me i'm gonna see it anyways i just 
I'm not excited for this in any regards of the word. I think there's a better story to be told with Deadpool that we're probably not going to get now. So I'm just, I'm just tired, man. I don't need to see this. And I understand why it exists because they make money, but just enough is enough. Don't you think? I think I'm just tired, man. I'm just tired of this. I don't need this dark and brooding R-rated bullshit. I don't think a superhero movie needs to be R-rated unless that's the initial conceit of the character. Something like Watchmen, you know, or like Transmetropolitan, just like those actual like dark characters. Deadpool, while dark, isn't always R-rated. I I think some of the best stuff with him is the Kelly Thompson stuff going on right now, where he's just the king of the monsters, and he's just like a weird goofball. That's, That's more fun to me than having Ryan Reynolds making his stupid Mama June jokes and uh, whatever, whatever. Just do your fucking movie. I don't care. It's all bullshit anyway. It's <laughs> like, it's just comic books. They'll exist no matter what. And who, who really needs to have anything to say about that? So we got a couple more pieces of news here. One of them being there are rumors that a Spamalot movie is going to be in development based on the Monty Python play, which I'm like, just do that that is an amazing idea i'm amazed it hasn't happened sooner if i'm being honest like those guys are hilarious this seems like something they would do now where they're like yeah let's let's get back out there and do something cool no idea if that's going to be connected to anything or or what that could look like but do it i think that's a fun idea i love that like feel and that style so go crazy have fun with that you know just do something weird and different i'm on board no matter what those guys do and our final piece of news here is one I was actually kind of excited to talk about. I think it's going to be really interesting. So Danny Boyle, the director and creator of things like Train Spotting and Train Spotting 2 and numerous other projects, he will be working on a Sex Pistols limited series. And I'm like, that is such a cool idea. I love little biopics like this where you're taking like a familiar band, but you're doing something unique with it. I think a good example of what this could look like is The Dirt, which The Dirt is like a hardcore, edgy, like twisted version of the Motley Crue origin story, for lack of a better term. And it was so fun and just so over the top. But you get someone like Danny Boyle, who's like kind of notorious for doing like the hardcore, gritty, grimy like side of like England and Europe. And you're like, this is going to be sick. That underground feel of the Sex Pistols coming up in this industry yeah man that's gonna be dope i am super excited to see this i hope it comes to fruition that's gonna be pretty sick to see i also think this one came out a little while ago but wasn't it like seth rogan was working on that uh tommy lee and pamela anderson series coming to hulu or something keep keep doing these man keep doing this stuff like ryan murphy did with like betty davis and joan crawford where you got like the the feuding people doing this stuff that sounds sick. I want all of these things. They're awesome. This this is the most exciting news of the week for me. It was just like Danny Boyle, Sex Pistols, limited series. Let's fucking rock and roll, man. That's going to be dope to see. I'm very excited for that. So that's all the news we have this week. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's take a look at the history and the filmography of an absolutely talented and magnificent woman, the life and times of Miss Audrey Hepburn. So like I said before, I've done kind of a video talking about Audrey before this. I think she is a very, very charismatic person. Just a pleasant surprise to see on and off the screen. She was just so homely and just had that nice kind of just like motherly energy of somebody who was very genuine and sincere in their actions. 
I've always found her to be somebody I enjoy seeing on screen. But I've recently just read this book called Fifth Avenue, which was by Sam Weissen. And it's the making of Breakfast at Tiffany's. Now, I'm a big fan of that movie. And we'll get to that in a bit here when we get to that movie. But that really opened my eyes a little bit more to... Audrey as a person. Now, I've always just known her through the films, and I've known, like, she's just been, like, a very impactful person off the screen. Like, she's done a lot of support with, like, like organizations and charities and stuff like that, and I think that's a very important thing. But reading that book and learning just a little bit more about who she is as a person, I think it's really shown me that there was this really genuine person that kind of got forced, semi-forced into the entertainment industry because of who she was and how she looked. And, and that kind of like built her up as this certain person in the eyes of other people. But she was different than that. She was the sincere, quiet and bubbly, energetic girl when the time was supposed to be more like perfect, blonde, seductive, seductive person. That was never Audrey. And I think that really just showed you that she really made something of her own in the world of entertainment, but in her own life, she was just that energetic motherly figure towards everyone. And she really wanted to be that motherly figure towards her own kids. And eventually she did manage to become that. And then we see as like her career, her career progresses, the kind of person she became in the end and the kind of roles she did in the end. I'm somebody who, I, I wouldn't say I've studied every aspect of her career because I, I haven't I've seen almost every movie she's worked on I have a list of them in front of me I'm not going to start with like her earliest works I'm going to start with Roman Holiday because that to me Roman Holiday is where she made her mark and that's where people start to know her from so we'll start with that one then we'll we'll go through all the rest of them leading up to her last like real role in a film I I've always liked her I think she's just a fantastic talent just in terms of the way she presents herself on screen. I think it's really cool. But also when I go through this list, I think there's like a clear shift in her tone and her energy that you can see as she kind of like ages into certain roles. I think where I really start to notice it is, we'll get to it in a bit here. I think there's like three eras of Audrey. And you could say this about any actor, really. There's like three eras of them. There's the young doing everything here. I think a clear example of that would be somebody like, I would say Leo DiCaprio, you know, where he's like doing his Titanic era stuff. Then we see his more interesting era of like Shutter Island and The Departed. And now we're at this era where he's the older character and things like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think Audrey is an example of that too. I think you could look at Roman Holiday, which is like her first huge role that made her into a star in 1953. And that's where she kind of just like makes her mark on film. And I really like Roman Holiday. It's a very interesting film just because it it's Audrey Hepburn's big debut as an actress and she is just showing us that she's a different kind of character than what we've seen before. She's going to have more fun. She's going to be a little more interesting and charismatic as opposed to some of the other actors we've seen in the history of screen. And I really like that energy from her. There's just something really calm and pleasant about her performance as Princess Anne in this movie. She plays off her co-stars great. That's something we'll get into a little bit more as we get down the list. I think Audrey really benefits from having that like positive male co-star. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but when you have that energy around you of that well-known male co-star, you can suddenly do a little more experimental things in your choices because you already have the built-in audience with the male co-star. Roman Holiday, she's young in this. I think she's, what, 21 or 23 around that age when she does this movie. I think it's very impressive what she captured in that role Roman Holiday it's just one of those movies that I don't think a lot of people go back and watch for her works but 
there's something really positive about that film that I think people should enjoy and cherish because it's really interesting. There's not a lot I think is wrong about it. It's very timely. It has that certain feel of a movie from the 50s. But you're like, this girl is a star. And it really just makes her a star. And that's why I think it's the one we should start with. Yeah, there was once before it. I think she did like, was it two or three other roles before Roman Holiday. But Roman Holiday, it sets her off on the course to be the biggest star in the world, kind of. And I think that's really important. And then I would say it's her next film, Sabrina, that really just gets more in depth on that. Something that becomes very apparent in her roles. And I know there might be some people who have issues with this later on in life, especially I'm a young guy, so I've I've been paying attention to this kind of stuff when it comes to older storytelling, as I'm trying to be a writer myself. It's this idea of the the female character being driven towards wanting a man and nothing else. And that could kind of be a problem. But I think what Sabrina does, it kind of subverts that expectation where the man she is pining after is kind of the the, the, the asshole one that she doesn't get with. And I think that's really interesting. There's a really cool element of Sabrina in that regard. She's a very compelling lead in this too. You, you see how everybody in this world would want her just because there's a certain level of just like positivity from her that isn't this like over-the-top seductress. There's like a quiet humanly quality to her that's like she's not the most outlandish girl in the world, but she's just pretty enough that you're like, yeah, you'd want to go after her. She seems like a nice person and that's something I love. Now, I'm also a big fan of people like Marilyn Monroe, like Lauren Bacall. And I think those kind of actresses, not saying anything negative about them whatsoever, but those kind of actresses, they just have a little bit more of like like that, I'm out there, you know it's me, I have that face, that body, everything you desire, it's right here for you to see. That's not Audrey. Audrey just has that quiet simplicity where it's the one you know you're going to end up with as opposed to the one you might regret being with in the long run. And that's... It's kind of mean to say, but you guys know what I mean by that. And I think that is just something you see in Sabrina, just like you saw in Roman Holiday. Now, say what you will about Bogart as an actor. Uh, he's 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 something. I mean, Casablanca is my favorite movie of all time. I like the guy. He is. You could tell, like, come 1954, he's getting tired. And it kind of shows, you know, William Holden, he's doing his best too. I think he's doing better than Bogey, but Bogey just, there's a, there's a quietness to Bogey where you're just like, he's tired. He, he's getting, he's getting older. He's getting like this, this young girl's just so energetic and bubbly. And she's like breaking into the industry. Everyone loves her. And here I am, this withered old man who doesn't really have anything else going on. I like that energy. It worked for the most part. I think it's, you could look at it in 2020 and see oh it's weird that she goes for the man that's like 30 years her senior but it's the 50s you don't even now even in 2020 2021 our climate you don't see the like age appropriate relationships between men and women as much as you should it's disturbing that you don't like it's actually just it's weird but i i it's of the time so i can get by it i really like sabrina it's not one i go back to a lot actually when we get out of like the first era of Audrey, we get into more of the films I watch more and more on repeat, and we'll get into that as we get there, because we've got a couple more ones that we're just going to go through quickly. Things like 1956's War and Peace. It's a big movie. It's a great set piece. Everything about this one works really well. I don't think it's that memorable, if I'm being honest. Like I've seen it once, and I just remember being like, oh, she's good. Like it's, it's a fine movie. There's not much to it. I'd say the same thing about her next film which is Love in the Afternoon. 
it's it's one another one of those ones where you're like, oh, she's doing the thing she's known for, and I think that's really cool. Like, especially in the 50s, you, you don't really get a chance to, like, branch out and do a bunch of creative endeavors. You're doing the thing that people know you for, and you're kind of stuck in that zone. So I get it. I'm, I'm glad she did these kind of things. And 1957's Funny Face, I think that one's a little more memorable. Like, you got a little bit more, like, that French New Wave energy. And it's, like, it's definitely before the French New Wave. But it's a little more, like lighthearted it's fun we're having a good energy to it it's bubbly it's cute everything about it's just like this really lighthearted piece but there's still that sense of like danger to it and i think that's a really cool feeling for a film like this these three they kind of just like float on the radar to me you know things like roman holiday and sabrina they really show her as an actress like in the young era and you get a bunch of you get a bunch of stuff here that it's good but doesn't hold that weight as some of those other ones. You know, Green Mansion's another one she did. I don't remember ever really liking this. I saw it. I don't even think I finished it, if I'm being honest. I just remember, okay, yeah, that's fun. The Nun Story, another one there. You're going for something. It doesn't really work for me. I don't think The Nun Story is particularly engaging or gripping. It's good. It's fantastical. It's got some great ideas in it, but doesn't hold that weight. And then come 1960, this is kind of like the last movie we get of Audrey before we get to like the big boom where I think she really makes her stance in some great quality film. That is The Unforgiven. Now, it's, it's again, I think it's a good movie. It's not one I think about a lot. I remember just being like, it's cool. I enjoy it. But for some reason, like the later half of her career in the 50s, I don't think it holds up as much as Roman Holiday or Sabrina because those like it's her kind of coming out party. Here she is, the next hot ticket in Hollywood. She's sweet. She's young. People like her. She's got a different type of body and allure than what we've seen before. And people think it's a it's a different type of energy. It's a different type of Hollywood. We're getting this different type of woman on screen that's being desired. The more everyday woman than somebody like Marilyn Monroe. And I think that's a really cool thing that we are feeling and seeing in that time period. So I really enjoy that aspect. But then comes the second half of Audrey's career. This is the era I'm calling a little more experimental. So obviously the 50s, she did her thing. You know, she made her mark. She became well-known. And then comes 1961, and she does this movie where she plays this high-class socialite named Holly Golightly. And Holly Golightly is just a really complex character for her. It's not one we've seen her do before. And of course, this is Breakfast at Tiffany's. I think if you ask any young person what Audrey's defining role is, they'll, they'll all say Breakfast at Tiffany's. She just has that allure to her in this film where she's doing something we haven't seen her do before. She hasn't really been like that promiscuous figure before and it's not something you'd expect from a girl like her like you see her off screen in this era being the loving wife being a supportive person having her come into this role you aren't really expecting her to be that in depth or crazy with it but she's doing something really unique here she's playing this socialite slash woman of the night character and it's implied that she's a little bit more promiscuous with the men in her life in this film but she's doing something with it. I think that's very intriguing. You know, she's just playing it sincere, like it's her, but she is this person. And it kind of like, I think it's a little bit goes towards this thing about like women are allowed to enjoy certain aspects of themselves and of the world that we haven't really seen on film before. Like that opening shot of her where she's walking past Tiffany's eating her bagel, the backless dress. You're just like, this is 
making a statement. It is saying something about the world that these types of women, the ones that we all know exist, can look like anybody, be anybody, and be proud and impactful of who they are. And that's such a cool aspect that Audrey ushered into a new era. This made her a fashion icon, of course, like her dresses, her looks, and every aspect of this film. It's really cool, and I think that's really fun. So one of the things I, I learned about this movie, reading that book, Fifth Avenue, was something that they wanted to make Audrey look like a quirky, bubbly girl. So in order to do that on the poster, instead of her being like this highfalutin sexual person, they put the cat on her shoulder. So in the poster for this movie, the reason you know that Audrey's quirky is because the cat's on her shoulder. And you're like, that's not really accurate, but okay, I, I guess I can support that idea that that's what you're doing. Now, I, I really like Breakfast at Tiffany's. I think the romance in this story, it's believable. It's got its hardships, and sometimes you might think it comes across as a little unnatural or just a little too forced. But, you know, I think it holds up. There's aspects of the movie that don't. Mickey Rooney, for example, is a great example of something that is just shit and shouldn't be happening today. But I think it's believable. There's some great just, like, cinematic moments in this movie like when her and what's his George Pappard I think is the actor in this when they go to Tiffany's and they're just having fun and you feel like that loose energy between these two talents who are just coming together in this scene and you believe it you believe that they have that connection that relationship I think it works really well I really enjoy having those two working together. One of my favorite scenes in all of cinema is the scene at the party when there's like a party at Holly's apartment. And, you know, we just see all of these people interacting, like somebody gets their hair or hat lit on fire and Audrey puts it out with like the drink. And the way like uh, George is like crawling around the floor to find the phone. I think all that stuff is hilarious. There's such a good lighthearted energy to that. And I think it really adds to this idea of like the... 60s New York fashion scene kind of where everything's like loose and free but there's still a sense of nobody really understands what they're doing or that sense of danger around them and that's really fun it's a really fun idea about that and I think it's really cool and enjoyable then of course after that we have the children's hour now this one this is a very mixed movie I think for a lot of people the children's hour did a lot of weird stuff especially in the 60s it was trying to its message was very obvious in the 60s it's like these rumors and these ideas can like destroy somebody's life but i don't think it handles it perfectly you know the children's hour she's playing off some great characters like james horner and i think she's doing a great job with that audrey's doing a great job with that but this one i don't think it holds up as well as some other movies in this era just because its message is very complicated what it's trying to say. So this the idea, if you guys haven't seen The Children's Hour, the idea is that these two women run like a school for girls and there's a rumor that gets spread, but they are, they've been sleeping together and it ruins their lives and suddenly they can't fix it. But one of the girls actually did have those feelings and you're like, okay, I see what you're doing here. It does. I don't know. I, I watched this one really recently, actually. And I just think it's close to getting its message across. And I think Audrey, I understand why this Audrey, the one who just did Breakfast at Tiffany's, the one who became like this high end call girl, this socialite that's lovable, but still truly Audrey Hepburn would come to do the children's hour and be like, OK, we're talking about something I am passionate about. I'm interested in having opinions on. So I'd see how we would go down that rabbit hole. And I just don't know 
if it gets that message across perfectly. I love the chemistry between her and Shirley MacLaine. I think it works really well. You believe it completely. But I just, I this one, it dismisses the mark. And I'll tell you right now, if you guys ever want a clear example of why having children is a bad idea, you should watch the children's hour because none of the kids in this movie are likable at all. They are all little brats that you just want to punch in the face. And I just remember having that visceral experience where I'm like, I would just slap the crap out of this kid because they are just acting so rude and arrogant because they don't get exactly what they want when they want. I really hate that. I think it's an okay movie. It's one you should check out. And come 1963, we get another one I think really defined Audrey for a lot of people. That is Charade. Now, I, th I think Charade is a very good movie I, I i think it's weird because i'm looking at this list and i look at the ones from audrey that i remember fondly you know it's like roman holiday sabrina funny face breakfast at tiffany's we'll get to some more of them later on down the line but charade is one i think really helped solidify her as an actress because you are getting hitchcock doing his thing Cary grants in this again not an age appropriate actor for her <laughs> which I've, i she's older now but Cary Grant's also older now, so it's not, like, great. I don't like that idea, but it's Hollywood. Whatever, you can't fix that. Well, you can, but we don't for some reason. I think Charade is really fun. It, it goes to a lot of, like, twists and turns and does some weird, interesting stuff. And I'm just realizing now, this isn't Hitchcock, is it? Is this Hitchcock? I thought this was, like, the most Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock didn't direct. I'm thinking that now because she didn't work with Hitchcock, did she? I'm, I think I wrote something wrong in my notes, actually, when I said that. I don't think it is Hitchcock now that I'm saying it. I'm going to have to double check now that I'm doing that. But I really like this film. It's it's lighthearted. It's, again, bubbly. You see all the twists and turns. They're all pretty interesting for the most part. There's one moment that stands out to me in this film, and that is, like, there's this scene where we know Cary Grant's going off to do, like, some secret thing that he does. And we get a scene earlier on in the show where Audrey is supposed to, like, follow him and make sure she knows what he's doing. So we see a scene where they walk out of the apartment building and Audrey's trying to like stay hidden from him, but she's getting like all distracted by stuff and not doing a great job of concealing herself. So she's spinning around a lot and doing a bunch of crazy, funny stuff. That to me is just one of the funniest and most beautiful scenes I've seen ever because it just had that right style and energy that made me laugh and smile. I think it was just so entertaining, just enjoyable, unique, and just something I, I very much enjoyed seeing. I really like Charade. It's cool. I think it's one that a lot of people aren't going to remember. But I think if you are going through this list, and I, I'm going to give you my recommendations at the end, I think it's one you, you will enjoy. I, I think Charade's just that kind of, It's a different than a lot of the stuff she's done before. So we had our earlier era of Audrey where it's the young girl falling in love with a guy, wanting to be something special. And now it's the 60s. She's experimenting. She's doing like a, a spy espionage thriller. She's doing a lesbian story. She's doing a call girl story. And, you know, we get stuff like Paris when it sizzles, which again, it's good. I haven't thought about it, but it's good. And then in 1964, we get probably my favorite Audrey film. And that, of course, is My Fair Lady. Oh, I could talk about this movie forever. I think it's just so fun. It's such an interesting story. Everything is inspired by it. There's so many references to it in pop culture. I love it. Every every sitcom's done their My Fair Lady story. I think it's just so much fun. It's so interesting. The songs are great. The costumes are great. The set is great. Everything, you, you believe the relationship between her and Rex Harrison. And, and I, this one, I'm like, I get that he's older. 
it doesn't upset me because it's not a sexual relationship. It's like, okay, she's she's becoming a friend. She's becoming a peer that I can respect and admire. So I buy the relationship in that aspect more than I have other ones. I really think that holds up better than I think most of the other ones on this list. Maybe not Breakfast at Tiffany's, but I really like that relationship. The, again, the costumes are great. When she first like goes to the horse tracks and she's losing her mind because her horse is losing, it's so funny and so lighthearted. There's so many great memorable songs in My Fair Lady. It's such a cool movie. Like I, I just think when you look back at a lot of the stuff she's done, My Fair Lady is different, but it feels very similar to a lot of her earlier works. You know, it's the, it's the rags to riches story. It's still about finding a man and being something special. But there's a differenceness to it because, of course, it's a musical and certain aspects of that have to be different. But I just love the way it holds itself together. It's a really cool movie. I, I It's enjoyable. I go back to it a lot more than I probably should. I probably watch it at least once every six months, and it, it just always sparks my interest and makes me smile. It holds my attention. It's got some great songs. You know, Get Me to the Church on Time is great. The Rains in Spain stays mainly in the plains. That is fun. A lot of it's just great. There's a great song about this. Uh, it, it, I think it's so fun to hear that. It. It's um, Rex Harrison singing, Why Can't a Woman Be More Like a Man? And you're like, that's bold <laughs> i like that idea you're an unmarried man is this supposed to be code for some secret you know homosexual thing in the undertone of the story i don't know but i think that's really cool my fair lady it, it's great i i really just i could watch that one forever and enjoy it in my opinion it's got the second most iconic look for audrey hepburn with just her and the big hat and the umbrella just standing there in the white dress of course, the first one is from Breakfast at Tiffany's, and it's the backless black dress that she's walking down Tiffany's in. Those are both really iconic, and I really enjoy seeing them. These, to me, it's like, yeah, th that's a role. That's a role you can do here. Eliza Doolittle is a role that an actress could sink her teeth into and do something fun with, while still having that creative and fun energy that you like from the era. And we kind of get from... My Fair Lady, we kind of get to like the end of this second era, in my opinion. I think the we'll get to where it stops in a minute here, but we got a couple other films, you know, How to Steal a Million. It's good. I think it's kind of forgotten over time, but it's still good. I do think there's something enjoyable about it. Same with Two for the Road. I think that's another one. It's one I liked. I don't remember if I ever watched it again after I initially watched it, but it was fine. I had nothing against it. Those They're good films. I don't think they are the best in the era. They're ones I think people can enjoy and be intrigued by, but they're not charade or they're not Breakfast at Tiffany's. They're still good, though. Then come 1967, and this is where the final era of Audrey comes in, to my opinion. This is the I'm the adult now. I'm the mature woman. I'm going to make the films I want to and end my legacy on a high note. Now, this is Wait Until Dark. Now, I think Wait Until Dark is the most underrated of all of Audrey Hepburn's performances. She is playing this blind woman who is living on her own, and these men come into her apartment to hide something and try to steal it back later. It's dark, it's suspenseful, it feels like a tight script that's very intense and gritty. You feel for her through every performance the way she's trying to be this powerful woman while still having that sense of what makes her Audrey Hepburn, which is that lighthearted tone and energy. It's really good. It's so good. I think there's just something about this film that you see a different side of her now. She's not playing the I'm love struck in trying to find the man. 
She's not doing this thing where it's like, I'm experimenting and doing these different types of roles. This is, I'm sure of myself. I want to do this project. It's going to be different and a challenge, and it's going to show what I'm capable of as an actress. And I think it does a great job with that. It is so intense and funny and interesting. And her performance just lights up the room every scene she's in you feel for her throughout the entire piece there's that sense that you still want to care for her and believe in her and take care of that woman but she's still in control of every situation she is in and it's just very intense and real in that aspect i absolutely love it wait until dark i think if i'm going to recommend any single movie in this list that we've went through so far it's going to be wait until dark because I'm sure if you're watching this, you've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's. You've probably seen Sabrina. You'd probably have seen maybe Charade or The Children's Hour. But wait until dark. She's almost 40 come the time of this movie, or she is 40. She's around that age. And she's finally just maturing into that area where she can be that actress that doesn't have to play off an older man, can now be the mature figure that people respect and admire. And I think that's really cool. It's very enjoyable. Now, from that, she takes a break, obviously, and we get a couple smaller stuff she does. You know, in 1976, she does Robin and Marion, which, of course, everybody at some point is going to do their, their, like, King Arthur or their Robin Hood story, so that's not a surprise to me. I get that. 79, she does Bloodline, which is not one I've seen. I, it's probably good. I think it's an okay thing, probably. I don't care. 81, she does They All Laughed, which, again it's fine. Like, I, I get what this era is for her. It's like you're getting these older roles now, so you maybe don't do as much of it as you want to, especially when you want to be that mother and now your kid's getting older in this point. You want to be there for him and experience life with that kid and be like the wife you've always, clearly you've wanted to be from your initial inception as a character on film and in real life. You've wanted to be the mother. In this era, You, she, your kid's older, he's coming into his own, so it makes sense to me that this is where that kid would end up and where Audrey would end up just doing these smaller roles somewhere. 1989, she does always, and it's fine. Like I said, like, I get it. In this era, you're like, you'll do the roles you want, so you've done them, and that's really fun. Then 93, she passes away. And you're just like, that's a really good legacy. That's a lot of films. Even in this era when everybody is doing every single film they are given and they just do what they want. There's a big legacy in here of a lot of great films. And you, you show a lot of like your enthusiasm as an actress and the way you have like that range and that depth as a performer because in each decade, there's pretty much a different shift in tone for her as a performer, which you see sometimes... In modern stuff, I think the best example in the modern world, like I said, is Leonardo DiCaprio. But this is really impressive. You know, there's a really good repertoire of film here that shows you in all these different stages of your life what you're dealing with, what you want to do. But through it all, you're still that caring, loving mother who gets to be that just infamous character that we all love and know. And it's really fun. I enjoy that a lot. This is a, this is a really good legacy of film. There are a few movies in here that I think are absolutely atrocious. I don't think there's any that are bad that I have seen. There's some that I think are kind of forgettable. They don't hold up. But the ones that do hold up, the ones that stick in your brain, there is something good about all of them. There's something impactful about all of them that you'll remember and think about for good or bad. It's really cool that way. I really enjoy that side of things. And I think Audrey's legacy and her films, they hold up and they stand the test of time. So I went through the list. I'm going to tell you guys right now what I think you should watch it of all of these. 
what my recommendations are, and that's how we will end this video. So, of course, in the first era, which is the 50s, I'd say you have to watch Roman Holiday. It is well worth your time. It is well worth the effort. And, of course, Sabrina, if not only just to see the last time Bogey potentially cared about anything, even just a little bit. He obviously didn't care, but there's still a little bit care in there. And you see, this is where Audrey starts. Go to Funny Face. It's an enjoyable, lighthearted film, and that's going to make you laugh. Then you go to 1961's Breakfast at Tiffany's. This is Audrey coming out of her shell, in a sense, being this more impactful, empowering woman. It's going to make you laugh and smile. You're going to believe the romance. You're going to feel the lighthearted energy that a Blake Edwards can create, and it's going to make you smile. Go to 63's Charade. It's cool. It's different. It's espionage. It's stylized. There's some really fun energy in this film. It's not a Hitchcock film, or it is. I don't remember anymore. So watch that one. You're going to get a good laugh out of it. You're going to understand the plot line, I think, better than some of these other ones. Then you go to 64's My Fair Lady. It's going to be a fun musical. It's not going to be a story about romance like most of these other ones are. It's two people as equals race to riches story trying to help each other out in a different sense of the word it's very fun in that aspect and i enjoy it a lot then i say 67's wait until dark it's intense it's gripping it'll keep you on the edge of your seat wondering what is going to come next in this really bonkers movie and it's audrey finally giving us that role where she's in control and command of any situation she's in she doesn't need to play off some older man to make her do anything she is that impactful character and it's really cool of course, you could watch any of these because they're all got their merit, and I think that'd be really fun to see. But those are my recommendations for you for films of Audrey Hepburn, and that is where we're going to end this episode of The Geek Wave. Now, thank you guys so much for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, please give us a rating. I'm always intrigued to see how the numbers do on there. And as always, you can check me out on Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, all that good stuff. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.